The following show is being broadcasted from an undisclosed location. Two former special operators have combined their badassery and now sharing it with the world. They ain't alive no more. All with a beer and a smile. This is the Savage Actual Podcast. And now your hosts combat vets with 20 plus deployments between the two of them and enough testosterone to operate the power grid of Los Angeles. Savage Actual. Now your hosts, Jason and Patrick. Great place to really cut your teeth as an operator to learn, you know, how to operate in the trench warfare that is the Helm Valley. And for those of you out there listening who have been in the Helm Valley, You'll understand what I'm talking about. I mean, it's it's farm fields, right? There's a main north to south running river that cuts through the southwestern southeastern parts of Afghanistan that is lush and green, and and they irrigate these these fields with with the river and it offshoots from the river. But it's very much trench warfare because, like, it, you know, the movie shit where you know you just get out and run out in the open. For anyone who's been there, they know that that's not a reality. If you get up and run across an open field with machine gun fire strafing across it, like likely chances are you're gonna you're gonna take a hit. You know, someone in your team's gonna get hit. So a lot you you move through the through the channel, you move through the trenches and you set ambushes and you know we did a lot of like move you know you move out by night, you, you study where the where the lines of drift are for the the enemy. And humans operate like animals operate. You know, they, they generally follow their, their their easiest path, the path of least resistance. So if you look at that from a, you do your map analysis and you use the other assets that were available to us through uh, our arsenal to figure out which way these guys are taken in and out of our area of operations, you find out where you can set the ambushes. And then, you, you know, you have mortars and you have all these other assets. So you set, you know, target reference points all over the place and, so as you're moving out, you know, if you, you, you know, you ambush these guys at point A and then you call in a mortar a fire mission on point B and another mortar fire mission on point C, high Mars on somewhere else, you call in some aircraft and you just get to, you get to work and you start, you start uh, destroying these guys with maximum prejudice. So it was really a good time, man. And I still, I look on those days fondly and for a young man, who started off driving an LA light armored light armored vehicle, hating his life? This was like this was like the pinnacle. I was like, okay, I finally made it to the show, you know. And now it's my responsibility to the man to my left, to my right, and to myself to perform at the best of my operational capabilities. So I always took it to heart, and I was, you know, some guys. Some guys get, you know, they like to play video games when they're not working. Some guys like to do, you know, call home, write letters, whatever it is. Uh, for me, I studied. You know, I studied my art, man. I, I, I'd study the maps. I've memorized the terrain. I've memorized the different compound numbers on our, uh, our grid reference graphics, GRGs, which is basically, it's like it's like a game of Battleship overlaid on top of, uh, of imagery. You know, so you have, you know, alphanumerical you know, letters across the top, numbers across the bottom, or the other way around, whatever. And you have like numbered compounds. and uh, But that's the way you call in, you know, where you're at. 
and where someone else is at. And I was also, I was a, I've been qualified before I went there. I went to a school called the Special Operations Terminal Attack Controller course. And I didn't really know what it was about when I went to it. They just told me I had to like do these Marine online courses, <laughs> the Marine net courses <laughs> on, on like, you know, call for fire and mortars and aircraft capabilities and whatever. And I was going to this course to learn how to like drop bombs. And so I was like, yeah, I mean, whatever you need, I like, that's what I'm going to do. So I, I did it, but then I went to this course and I was like, holy shit, this is a lot to learn. I mean, one of the hardest courses besides Jump Master that I ever went through in terms of like just stacking information in my head, like nonstop. How much shit can I fit in this box that's been blasted out you know, with TBI and retain it and be able to you know, regurgitate it under stress? Uh, so, but... Being a JTAC, and I, maybe I'm on a soapbox here. And I'm sorry. I've had a few drinks. With me, bear with me. But Brother, you're good. A, yeah, you're but good. being a JTAC is, in my opinion, is is the best way to gain the operational awareness of multiple facets throughout. You yes, know, so you got the tactical level, you got the operational level, you got strategic level, and it's all all intertwined. So I know at the tactical level, Jason and Pat are moving here. I need to move a plane in and support them with an airstrike here and deconflict the geometries of fire towards not strafing their positions. You know, meanwhile, I need to know where all the aircraft are in the area. So I didn't know it would be identify my kill boxes, meaning like, oh, it looks like my, my AirPods are going to fail me here. God damn it. Uh, so yeah, that threw me off, of course. Anyways. You just, you just got to know a lot. You know, I know exactly what the, what planes are flying, what their standard conventional loads are, you know, where you're at, what you're doing, how to best employ them. And and then when the shit hits the fan, you got to actually employ these guys under duress, you know, often without all the information that you need. But, you know, if guys are pinned down and they're about to die, like, look, either they're going to die by the enemy's bullets or they're going to die by my bombs, but better by you know, better to take a chance and hit the enemy with my bombs. And, you know, if, if guys get killed in the process, then that would be horrific. But, you know, you trust your instincts, you trust your training, you trust your research, and you trust what those guys are telling you about what's going on. And you call the fucking mission in and you you go with it. And it worked out. So that 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 first deployment to Afghanistan with Marsoc, you were JTAC. And how many, how many other... Uh, deployments did you make where that was JTAC was sort of your primary responsibility? Uh, so I, I was JTAC that deployment. So I was an element leader and I was a JTAC as well. So I was, uh, I'd be moving with, you know, commanding my team, moving around the battlefield and controlling the aircraft who were in direct support of us or extremist support of us. So if you call a troops in contact, sometimes I'll send you like a French, tornado uh, they i think they call them tornadoes or whatever yeah yeah english yeah yeah so they show up and they they be speaking to you they 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 be speaking english but it doesn't sound like english and under dress and under you know you got your headsets in and everything else and you know machine guns going off and shit's blowing up and like i can't understand what the fuck you're telling me and if i can't understand you and you can't understand me i don't feel comfortable with you coming and dropping bombs right next to my friends so i mean you exit my airspace and you know send it someone else who can understand me and I can't be confident in calling in. So I, I was in JTAC on that deployment. And then the next deployment, I was, uh, I was now a leader with what we called the commando team, which was with the seventh Kandak out of uh, Cap Shorebach, uh, 
Afghanistan. So we're at Camp Antonek, as it, it finally became called, out of respect for one of our lost brothers. And uh, so I was a JTAC on that deployment, and that was a heavy JTAC deployment. I mean, that one, that was now we're into the 2010 to 11 time frame. And I remember it was, uh, I mean, shit, I, th I think I had 320 something controls in the deployment, you know, as, as a control. That's pretty heavy. Yeah, it, it was heavy. So, I mean, and that was, and that's, you know, I'm doing it while we're, obviously we're moving, we're maneuvering, we're clearing compounds, we're fighting, we're shooting people, we're, you know, we're doing, we're, 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 we're firing and maneuvering and doing all the things we should be doing. But at the same time, you know, we, we'd fire, we, we'd shoot and move and, and, and envelop the enemy and, and sweep them out with our organic fires. But a lot of times, you know, it just made more sense to call in an airstrike because once you get to a certain point, you're like, okay, well, remember we talked about the trench warfare. Well, now we're in these, in these, these trenches, uh, these irrigation canals to get to the enemy is to move across a hundred meters of open terrain, which is not advantageous to anybody. So before we do that, let's, let's, you know, drop a couple of GBU 38s or 32s into those tree lines, kill whoever's over there, a couple of strafing runs as we're, you know, breaking out of our concealed positions and bounding across to, to, to kill these guys. You know, you want to keep, you want to always put yourself in the most advantageous position because like, you know, look, if you come to a fair fight, you came up prepared. We're not there to fight fair. We're there to kill the enemy and bring all of our, our boys back. And yeah. that's just the bottom yeah. line. So I'm not going to show any mercy whatsoever to anyone we're fighting. And I never did. Fuck yeah. Yeah. So you're in, you're in for a bit, dude. We're, we're going to, I know you've got more deployments in between there, but I'm going to run something, uh, bring up something that our viewers should know. Mr. Jacklin here has a Navy cross. And that is a very, very extremely high level award. And I'm going to quickly follow right after I say this. Marine Corps is very, very particular and restraining on our award system to who they give it to. Um, that we, I'm going to say, we aren't like the Army. We don't just throw fucking awards out almost blindly for, for little fucking reason. And I mean that offensively and mean that not offensively as well. But for a Marine to get such a high award, something cataclysmic's got to fucking happen. So what year walk us through that brother. Like, let's, uh, let's talk about that. Shit. Let's jump into it. Yeah. Well, so this is the third deployment to Afghanistan, 2012. And honestly, uh, you know, when, when, when those awards come out, like you said, something cataclysmic has to happen. And basically, you know, most things that could go wrong did go wrong. And, my team commander and another member of my team were shot while on a rooftop when we're we're set in ambush position outside of we're in a place called Mirmadab, Afghanistan, just south of Fob Robinson. We, you know, I fought all three deployments really in the same kind of areas between Sangin and uh, Mirmadab was the primary. We call you guys Mirmadab, Sangin, Tamba, uh, Torma. Places that stick with my brain to this day. Sometimes in Lashkar Gah. But, but yeah, we went out to set an ambush on these. Uh, well, we, we got gained intelligence that there was going to be Taliban movement into a certain area. And so we had coordinated with an adjacent uh, 
A team, uh, Green Beret team, and a base to the southwest to come in and do kind of a kind of a pincer and pincer movement on these guys and, and trap them in and, and wipe them out. So we moved out under cover of darkness and took a position uh, in this compound. You know, built up sandbags and covered and concealed everything. You know, from the outside and checked it out, and we we set in uh, waiting for the daytime to come where these guys come in and we're going to you know, lay the hammer down. Unfortunately, uh, the ODA hit an IED on the way out to, uh, to come out and support us in the, in the position they were spo- supposed to support to our southeast, I believe it was. So we're all alone. And now we got, you know, it's like me, I think it was like me and uh, five other U.S. personnel and like 10 Afghans, the Afghan Special Forces who are with us, who, you know, while meaning well, they're basically just, look, they're just there. Like we do we do 90% of the killing, and they take 100% of the, of the uh, like that, that, that's the way it's supposed to go. You know, we're building nations. So we went out, and uh, we, we set in, and sure enough, man, you know, once the Taliban started moving around, they knew we were out there somewhere, they started hunting for us. And uh, I was on the rooftop, and in Southern, one of my sergeants, uh, Ricky, was up there with me, and we got beat on this guy. He's out in the open, Elmer flooding around. And uh, he's like, I told him, I'll give him the order. Like, well, sooner or later, we're going to get into it. So we might as well just like start by whacking some of these guys. So another guy, Ryan, <laughs> he had a beat on another guy. So I gave the order. We killed two guys. You know, we gunned those guys down, and we knew we were in for it. So now we're, we're in a position where troops in contact. I jump off the roof, and uh, because my my team commander, uh, Derek Herrera, he he wanted to get up and take an assessment. So I jumped off the roof. He jumped up on top, and sure enough, man, as soon as uh, you know, as soon as I jumped down off the roof, you know, just as it happened, uh, they baited him. You know, the they basically these guys were the guys popping out and out and in, and the guys kind of unmasked themselves over their cover to take a well aimed shot on him and drop him, and they got engaged from a different direction. And the bullet went through Sergeant, uh, you know, this, Ricky's neck, and it hit, went into uh, Derek Herrera's back. Uh, so Derek got paralyzed. He's still paralyzed to this day. Rick took a uh, round through his neck. Uh, his, his name's Ricky Breer. Uh, great guy. And we, uh, I would call him Franken Breer after that because he had two, like, bolt-sized, you know, scar tissue on his neck. You know, so that's like the Marine, you know, that kind of, kind of dark humor about things. He, he, so, he, he, damn, he survived that? He did. He survived it. Wow. And, you know, no issues, which, is, I mean, that's an, intense, talk about that's an intense fucking wound. Holy shit. Yeah, like an AK, an AK-47 bullet, you know, 7.62 by 39 bullet ripping through your neck and not causing you any kind of paralyzation or taking out your red pipe or that's insane. Or carotid. Yeah, I mean, it, it was there again. The universe talks, man. Like that, it your wasn't spine, your, your windpipe, your carotid. Yeah, I don't know how, how that bullet missed any of that. I'm blown away that he survived that. Yeah, well, so so now we're in the ship, right? We got two guys wounded. We're enveloped at this time, and when you're in one singular singular point, actually, we had two points. We had a, we had a team that was like to our southeast, uh, led by a guy Prime Hall, and uh, yeah. he was down there, you know, guarding guarding our southeast. But I was just going to ask you. So what's what's 
I'm sorry to interrupt. What's the position that look like that you guys are at? Are you guys in like a, a walled compound with a couple buildings or like what's the position look like that you guys are in? Yeah, we're in a walled, we're in a walled compound, you know, with probably about 150 meters of separation between any other compound, which isn't that much, you know, when you think about it. No. Uh, so, so we deployed a, you know, basically a maneuver force to, to set in, set in to guard our flank where the ODA was supposed to be. But, you know, they hit an IED coming out of their, you know, when they're in movement, transit out to where they're supposed to be, their final point of uh, designation. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, when they're Afghan, it was an Afghan, they got blown, one of the partnership force got blown apart. And after that, their, their Afghan forces, they were just done trading. You know, they didn't want to, they, they didn't want to go out. So it wasn't on the ODA that they backed out. Like, I'm not saying that, you know, they, you can't go out without your Afghans coming with you. That's like one of the rules. So if your Afghans just tell you a hard no, they're not going, that's the end of the story. Unfortunately, by the time that happened, it, the sun's come up. And when the sun comes up in the Helmut Valley, you turn into pumpkins. I mean, the, the, the ball is over. Like, you're not maneuvering. You know, we're about two kilometers out of our main base. So might as well have been 20 kilometers, you know, in that kind of environment where you're in peanut butter mud. You know, like thick mud up to your balls when you're walking through this mud. You can't move fast. You know, you're you're basically you're stuck where you're stuck, and you're you're in an Alamo situation. So then that's what we found ourselves in. And now we got two guys wounded. So, you know, we we called an aircraft, and you know, we called in the Kazvak, called an aircraft, and and we'd heard over the we were listening to their the enemy's communications as well because these just ICOM radios, so we could hear what they're saying. And they're they're basically they encircled us at that point. And, you know, it was a very bad situation. And, uh, but I tell you what, man, it was one of the proudest moments I've ever had uh, as a Marine, you know, cause I'm sitting there, I'm, I, you know, I got five other guys or so with me of American, uh, American guys, other Marines. And one of them was a dog handler, uh, who was an attachment. He was a regular Marine attachment. He's a, he's a Lance corporal. Never is the very first combat patrol in his life. And we found himself in that God situation. Damn. God damn. And, and I remember looking at these guys, and I was like, you know, I told them, here's a story. We're surrounded on all sides. We had we had a, a medevac LZ capable. Uh, we had a, a field that was capable of landing a helicopter for medevac just to our southeast. And I said, like, hey, you know, we're probably going to get fucking gunned down going, going for the choppers to get these guys out of here. But the, I can't live myself if we don't try. You know, and every one of the guys, every single one of them, they just, there wasn't even a moment of hesitation, man. Everyone was like, fuck it, let's roll. And I think that was like one of the proudest moments. You just, just having these guys that, like, you know, you're going to get gunned down. You're going to get mowed the fuck down when you walk out in the open in daylight with the guys at 150 meters with belt fed machine guns and RPGs and such. Like, it's not good. You're probably going to die. But I'd rather die trying. Then die a coward, you know, like like just die internally, knowing that like I just let my buddies die because I'm too much of a fucking pussy to take a risk and go for it. Uh, and, and every one of those guys felt the same way, and we talked about it afterwards, you know. And so, you know, Will Simpson uh, and Prime Hall set a breach on the fucking uh, on one of the walls because you don't want to go out of the main door that you entered in the compound because you know for sure they got guns training on that. So we made our own door. And, you know, we coordinated toward as a, as the medevac choppers were coming in for their, on their final, we blew the wall, smoke grenades out. And 
and out we went, man. You know, we had we had the and the Afghans they produced too, man. They were carrying the stretchers, so the Afghans were running with the stretchers with the guys, and you know everyone else just moving and shooting like maniacs, trying to you know we basically did an immediate action drill out to the to where the choppers were landing and then back, and I mean we took so much fire and that I mean the chopper got shot up on its way in, come in the first time and had to wave off and come around for a second time, but. I'll tell you what, Marine Aviation, you know, thank God for those guys. Cause we had a, we had a, a, a mixed section of uh, a four ship of two AH-1s and two UH-6, uh, UH-1s. Uh, and those guys came in and in my, in my JTAC, I, I cleared them hot on like a type three control. It was just like, Hey, you're cleared hot to Winchester, uh, Winchester meaning that you're out of ammunition on all the tree lines around us. So. So they just came in and were just smashing these tree lines as we we're going out to the to to medevac these guys. And we're running through this mud up to our up to our nuts and like trying to trudge across it with these guys uh, that are wounded and uh, shooting and moving and you know lobbing grenades and the whole nine. And I remember just I mean I don't know how we're alive, dude. To be honest with you, because it was just it was a popcorn machine. And if you've ever been out there with bullets, you know if a bullet zings by. That's eh, not close enough to worry about, right? But if it's if it snaps, like you know, you're in some shit because when that snap because of the the because of the speed of the bullet, if it, if it's close enough to you, you'll hear the snap. And it was, it was just yeah, it was like someone had a he uh, had a, a some bubble wrap right next to your head to just snap it, and that's like the bullets were skipping. You watch them skip through the dirt. You know, RPGs are flying by, machine gun fire the whole nine. And we got out to the birds, you know, and the, they got, had to wave off. And, you know, luckily the, the mixed section was there to smash those tree lines as we're, you know, fighting along. But, you know, to keep them at bay enough time for the, the medevac bird to come circle around land. And we threw the guys on the bird and went back to the compound. And I remember before we went out, I told the guys, like, if you get hit on the way out to the birds, just get on the chopper and we'll figure it out later. Like, don't, you know, if you're hit get on the bird with these other guys. We'll figure yeah. it out because like we don't, yeah. we don't get one shot at this. And, uh, man, we finally, we got them on the birds. And we hauled ass, you know, fighting our way back to the compound. I think we got back, man. <laughs> I had like, I don't know. I mean, I carried like six mags on me and then another like six mags in my rucksack. And I mean, I expended all six magazines <laughs> like on that, on that run. And so did everyone else. I mean, we're, we're like Winchester. We got back in. So we loaded up real quick again. And then it was like, and it was on, you know, and that's it was, the rest of the day. You know, we're taking uh, UGLs, the underslung grenade launchers, basically like the, like the 40 millimeters, but you know, the, the, the Russian types combinated they're, they're hitting our compound, blew up a few compounds. Uh, they were, they were uh, a threat to us. And, you know, we just, and I was in those ODA guys were really great because the rest of the day, I mean, the enemy was trying to maneuver and closing to destroy us. And they were Johnny on the spot with their mortars. I mean, we were doing linear sheets and they're just racking these tree lines with 120 meter, uh, millimeter mortars. And you would hear the, the Taliban screaming in these tree lines as they're getting fucked up, you know, just, you know, 100 meters away from us. Just wham, 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 just down the line. And uh, they just kept, they just kept it on them all day. But in the intelligence reports came out afterwards. And I mean, kind of like the, the, the call to arms has gone out in the Hell Valley. Like, hey, we got a special forces team on the ropes. Everyone down here right now. So we ended up, I mean, we had a couple hundred Taliban like enveloping our position and we fought it out through the rest of that day. But, you know, unfortunately, because 
I had dropped, I had dropped a compound that day. Hold on a second. Yeah, you you out of your pods? I'm out of my pods. Ran out. Ran yeah, not out. a problem. Hey, do whatever you need to do. We'll this is this is all being recorded, so we can edit. Like, don't no worries. Yeah. No, it's all good. You guys You're got still, me out. You sound great. You sound the same. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So let me see. We uh, because that same. I I didn't know it at the time, but it, that same day there had been an agreement made between the U.S. government and the Afghan government that we weren't going to drop any more bombs on Afghan compounds. Now, I didn't know this. So when I dropped bombs on these compounds, I'd broken like a major role of engagement. And so originally they wanted to court martial me for doing Jesus that. Christ. But out of that, what happened was that the compounds that I dropped, they wanted to do a battlefield uh, damage assessment. Like, oh, you're there, any civilians in this compound, so on and so forth. Like, of course not. Like, you know, we're not fucking, we're professionals. We don't drop on civilians. And so we, we made sure that before we dropped these compounds, with, you know, it's all bad guys and when we hit them with bombs. But, you know, they want us to do these battlefield damage assessments. And I told them, like, you know, they want us to do it by the, in the middle of the day. I'm like, you're out of your fucking mind. We're not doing that. It's like, like I'd, I'd like to hear that fucking radio call. Holy shit. Hey, yeah, we're going to need you guys to leave your fucking security and go check out these fucking compounds. Like, yeah, yeah. get fucked. Like, like, yeah, I mean, you know, pretty much like, you know, did it like this, this crazy Medal of Honor run to get these guys out of the compound and, and um, into safety. And now you're asking me to walk across another 150 meters of open terrain in the daytime. We're still uncertain, enveloped on all sides by by Taliban with their guns trained on us. Like, it's just not going to happen. So, so they decided in their, you know, their decision was to send a team of SEALs in from Kandahar, the SEAL, uh, the Afghan commando unit out of, out of Kandahar, Afghanistan, those ran by SEALs. And uh, so they sent them in. And I'm like, well, why are you sending these guys? Do, to do the BDA? Yeah, to do the BDA at, at night. We're supposed to, you know, so they're coming in on the 47s from the Special Operations, uh, the 160th Special uh, Special Operations Aviation Regiment. They're coming in, landing, and we're supposed to do like kind of a high five. And we go out and they stay there and they handle the rest of the the stuff for us but that's not fair either right because those guys they're from Canada they're not from F they're not from helmets so it's a totally different operating environment so uh so i sent my guys out uh on the birds and then me and the jtac my jtac dave harris stayed back and uh for a proper turnover and so the second day we're there we're we're with the uh the navy seals great guys and actually you know dan crenshaw which is one of the uh He's a congressman in Texas now. He was one of the guys. He was wounded on that day. That he was. I was out there when he got wounded, and you know, no fault of their own, man. I mean, it's just it's a bad environment. You know, like IEDs happen, uh, so they had to maneuver their forces to take different compounds around us. And unfortunately, one of their interpreters stepped on the landmine or uh, an IED and wounded a few of their uh, guys and killed the interpreter, I believe. Uh, but and, and that's what's so that's so fucked up because it, that's the thing. It's just like you were saying, just you've got somebody who's not there who's making this this tactical decision about this this BDA thing, and you've got people losing their lives. And I mean, Dan's entire life has changed now. He's lost his fucking eye, and like who you know, Jesus Christ, that that shit is ridiculous. 
Well, and, and, and you know, honestly, I, like I've talked, I talked to him after the fact. I've, I've met him at a, 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 I met, I met him at an event years following. I, I, I oh wow! Him, I'm fucking. I'm sorry. What happened, man? Like that's not. Here's what happened. You know, we wanted our our Marsoc commando team out of out of you know Leatherneck out of Camp Shorebach to come out and support Marsoc guys, but they didn't want that to happen because. They didn't trust the Marsoc guys not to cover for the Marsoc guys in the event that there was something. God know. damn. Uh, yeah, so there's Paul, you know, these are the politics that kind of come into play sometimes, but, you know, nothing but the best things, the, the best of opinions about the SEALs that are out there that day. I mean, they were great. Uh, they they did fa- fantastic work. And, you know, and after, unfortunately, when Dan and, and, and some of their other boys got hit, they, they, they ended up in the same situation we were in. The first day where they did a fucking medal of honor run to get their guys out under fire. So, uh, so it was just, you know, look, it was a shit show uh, when it all came down. Uh, when it, when it got done and we all extracted out of that area and they dropped us back off at the camp. I mean, you know, what we're going on like 72 hours of no sleep and then just, you know, completely drained of your adrenal. And, uh, and now it was time for like, you know, after action reports, and then the phone calls come in from the battalion commander and the and the sort of commander and whatever else. And I didn't even, I never thought about it. I never even thought once about an award out of the, that deal. And in, in, in all honesty, if if I could give that award back, that you know those guys when we got hit, fucking in the heartbeat, man. Like, you know, you know, the only thing when I see out of that award, like, you look, I'm. I'm appreciative of the consideration, but, you know, to me, that's a day where, you know, I've had, you know, some good buddies of mine got hurt and and, and the SEALs got hurt, you know? So, you know, it, it's not something to be, to, for me to be proud of. It, it's more like, yeah. just, like everything went fucking wrong. And then when things go wrong, then you get awards, you know, like what about all the other times where we went out and killed the shit out of the enemy and everyone came back, we just high-fived and it was like, hey, great job, go get chow. You know, get your gear ready for the next one. Yep. And Jay, so, hey, you know about that. So, yeah, brother. How do I say this? So, I, I don't know. Going into the Marine Corps, going to the military, you looked at awards. Oh, I don't know. Like, oh, damn, that dude's got something. Like, wow, he must have done something fucking badass when you're like a young guy. And, you know, you're raised on Rambo and fucking all these movies and shit, right? And especially like the Olympics, dude. I mean, honestly, I'm going to compare it to the Olympics, like gold, silver, and fucking bronze, right? Like, like you're a fucking badass. You earn this shit. However, in combat, exactly like you just said, something has gone terribly wrong. Lives were lost or injuries were to be had. And when I was designated for my award, I tried to deny it because something you said i i one billion percent echo is i just did my job and honestly i enjoyed it and there was like some guilt attached to that like i came out unscathed and my bros don't have arms and my captain died you know so it's like my ward reminds me of a day where we were faced with a horde of enemy and we we got out with what we had and some didn't so i'm with you on that one dude like it's it's there's definitely some like weird guilt attached to it. And I think I vocalized this so much. And this is why I'm saying this to you, Brian, my captain, Dean Schultz, who was Bravo company's commander during at first recon battalion at that time, he was replacement 
commander, I chose him and my platoon sergeant to fly to Kansas to present this award to me. And guys that I knew, I didn't want some unit other fucking, I was out. I was a fucking dirty civilian at that time, dude. So I chose, I chose dudes that I knew. And in front of all of these like hundreds of people, this ceremony, dude, in my dress blues, he's like, this ward is not for you. And in this statement, I'm telling you, he, what he's about to say to me, like took the weight and the guilt off my shoulders. He's like, this isn't for you. This is for your family and your friends and your community. You're representing something more than just you and, and, and the Marine Corps. So you like his words are profound because I was in front, like per, literally at attention when he's giving me this award nose to nose and his fucking hat and my dress blues. And there's all these people behind me. Like you face the same thing. It's like, it's such a surreal moment to receive something when I've been kind of a shit bag garrison Marine and I enjoyed the field and I enjoyed my boys and here I am getting this award for doing my job like you did. Yeah. So rest easy with the fact that a lot of people understand that fucking day dude you did your job and you, you stepped up to the fucking plate and you had a chance to fucking cower you had a chance to fucking be in the field position and give up like, like what you said imagine that imagine those people out there listening right now that love tiktok and costco and sam's club and they might have been in one fight in, time, in a fight with their fists maybe once and here you are if we leave this fucking door guys there are armed trained taliban that i actually respect more than a lot of fucks in our country now that want me to disappear in their homeland they're going to end you your death is outside that fucking door inevitably dude but you have to go if you stay there you're going to die yeah so being forced in that situation what do you fucking do dude you got to grab a hold of whatever and fucking make it happen like Dude, my hat's off to you, dude. Like, I've been through some shit. Patrick's been through some shit, dude. Like, I think only guys like us truly understand, like, that moment. So, like, dude, I'm glad you did. I'm glad it was you that was there and not someone else. You know what I'm saying, dude? I'm glad you made it back with this. Honestly, I mean, all the guys who were out there with me that day, they all did their job. And and they all served any accolade that I ever had. I just happened to be the highest-ranking guy there you know my, my billet i was in charge once the captain got hit so luckily you know i'd uh had enough training by that point i had been through enough shit and, and to understand the geometries of the battlefield and the assets we had and what was necessary in order to, to you know have the best probable chance of surviving that and killing the most enemy while we were doing it yeah it was uh you know uh i tell you what man like you know, anyone who doesn't says they don't like pray, you know, like I'm not a big religious guy and I'm, that's not what I'm getting at here. But, you know, whenever I would pray about go before I'd go out on like some shit, you know, that was going to be Perry, you know, it was never like, let me kill my enemies or anything like that. It, I, my, 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 my prayer was always like, let me remember everything I've learned and let me, let me be able to call upon all of my training and learning so that I don't let my men down. You know, that was my that was my thing. You know, like like and, and to me that seemed righteous. It's not righteous to like say like yeah, let me kill my enemies. You know, because they're praying the same same prayer I am. Like I'm just saying, let me remember everything I've tra trained to remember, 
and, and let me maximize my capabilities that I've trained to, to, to know and, and to be able to employ and let the rest be what it's going to be, you know? And that's the way I always looked at it. Like I, and, uh, and as it turned out, man, you know, we got the upper hand and we, we killed, I don't know how many we killed, but it was a fucking lot, man. <laughs> you know, we, we, we decimated their force. And that was, and, and again, this is just one day, you know, this is that like everyone. Like, yeah. Yeah. Focuses on this, like this baby cross thing, but that's one day. You're, you're that's one day. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You're jocking up to do it again the next day, you know, did you, and uh, that's a question. So did you, obviously like and we all know like hey that there's there's a fucking day at work congratulations like you like jason said hey here's some fucking chow jock up you're doing it again tomorrow did you did you see a difference in the environment like in the following like week or so with like hey we're getting a lot less ticks now because we fucking smoke some of these dudes and we feel like we've we've thinned the herd a little bit do you feel like there was a, a change in in uh the the amount of it, you know, did you run into in the following like few days after that or no? It would have been nice to have a few days of reprieve, but honestly, <laughs> it, it didn't happen. And as I remember, we're, we're right back on ambush patrols. And so, you know, doing our standard yeah. operations, you know, the next fucking night, because it's just the way it yeah. goes. If you take your foot off the boot of the enemy, they will bite you. Yeah. Uh, or if you take your boot off the neck of the enemy, they'll bite you. Right. So, you just gotta stay on top of it. And so we went out. We 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 made we made our own luck. Sorry, my wife's in the background talking. So okay. we we made our own. We made our own luck, and, and really, and that's 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 a very important point. It's like complacency kills, and not just complacency with like you know not making sure that your gear is tight and your mission plan is is appropriate, but also your preparation in in keeping the enemy off balance you, you consistently have to find new and innovative ways to hunt the enemy so with whatever different ways we had and i don't want to get into the details of how we did it but we had different ways we'd identify which ways they're coming in you know which you know which routes which trails where, you know, where are they consolidated and we would use that to our advantage and we'd set ambushes you know we we'd, we'd mortar them we'd we drop airstrikes on them we set in you know physical ambushes or they combine all of them together and we just stack bodies and uh and we nice. continue did that throughout that deployment and every other deployment we had out there and i mean all the deployments were pretty much the same you're surrounded by a bunch of meat-eating you know meat-eating coxswain commandos who are at the top of their game and they like they like to hunt and so do i and and we never yes. and we never and that's the other misconception, you know, is is in the media, they constantly portray this. There's this I, I take offense to the to the constant portrayal of the of the modern veteran of the war modern war veteran as someone who's like PTSD'd out and like can't function in society and so on and so forth. I you know, I understand that that's a reality for a lot of guys out there and I sympathize with them and I wish them the best. But I don't feel that way. I never, I never for once had any reservation about what I was doing, and nor did any guys I was with. We all knew the task that was at hand. We knew what was at stake, and we, we, and we, it's just business. We were out there to do business. We were out there to be professionals. We've been trained to the optimum level that the U.S. Arsenal had to train us, and you know, 
we're there to put in work, man. We're there to get a job done. And, uh, and, and there's no reason to ever be sorry for doing what you're intended to do. If your intent is to go out there and, and kill as many enemy as possible so that the local Afghan forces can build their, their, their bases and gain a foothold in the areas to control it on their own, well, then that's the mission. You know, and I'm going to do it well. And so are the guys to my left and my right. And I'm going to trust them. They're going to trust me. And that's how we get this done. Fucking amen. Amen. 100%. 100%. Real quick, quick, boys. Let's take a quick fucking two-minute pisser. I know the two of us have been fucking drinking. uh, Fucking (laughs) sober. Sober Sally over here is not. uh, Sober Sally. Is that a parachute behind you, though, by the way? Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I got a fucking... My last, my last, man, my def- only non-deployable unit I ever had was as a steer instructor. Like I fucking got back to the United States after my, uh, after my last deployment. And I was like, I, I actually had put in for an instructor at, at Swick school. And they're like, we just don't have any billets. I wanted to get to California because my, my, daughter my ex-wife lived in tucson and so i wanted to get on the west coast and uh they're like hey we got a billet at sear school and uh I'm like yeah I'll, I'll fucking do that and it's kind of crazy because you have to you know they want you to go through the interview process it was actually funny because i was in i was in uh Maiwan province at the time with seventh group guys and uh they're like hey you got to do you have to do a phone interview with these guys and our fucking our cop was getting hit at the time we were fucking taking machine gun fire and the the fucking dudes are like sending out mortars and popping looms and shit and so i'm like on the fucking sat phone with with some chief back here in coronado uh, and i'm I'm living in i live in riverside county i live like in menifee right now and so i'm uh i'm in, in in the fucking cop and I'm talking to this guy. You can hear the fucking gunfire. You can hear the mortars going out. And he's like, he's like, are you okay to talk? I'm like, yeah, but can we speed this up? You know, can we, I need to kind of get through this. We got a lot of shit going on. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. So it was, uh, but it was nice. It was nice to get back to the States and, and not deploy. And I only had like a year and a half yeah yeah yep yep grab your rags it was awesome it was such a great it was a great opportunity to because i went through in like 2003 when i came back in active duty in the navy and and to to you know so many years later to see the inside and see how it works and it was uh it was a great final billet you know what i'm saying so yeah Yeah. no that's i remember i remember going to serious school and you know, young recon guy. I, mean, I knew how yeah. to navigate, but did you do it? Did you do it on the West Coast here? Yeah, I went to uh, North Island and then to yep, whatever that place is. It's off of the seventy nine, I believe. Uh, but yeah, I, w- I went out there. I never got caught. Went all the way to the end. Eventually, you know, they, they blared the siren, and I could see the black house across. I was across. It was across a stream bed. You know, probably about 50 meters of stream bed in the open, and it was broad daylight. I'm like, we, and I told my partner, like, we can't move across this right now. We're going to get caught if we do. We wait till darkness. We'll move across to the final point. And uh, we're sitting there and we're waiting, and then the sirens go off. And we're like, 
my partner's like, oh, I guess we got to turn ourselves in. I'm like, fuck that, dude. Let's take a nap first. You know, like, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so we like went to sleep and then finally we got fucking, you know, we turned us, we were walking down this road. We got, they came up like, hey, get in the truck. We got to go, you know. And they put us in there. They, you know, they put a blanket over us and then we get caught and we go in and they just, you know, kick the shit out of you when you get in. But I remember showing up, this is like monstrous black man. It's like green mile size black guy. I get out of the truck and he's like, he just like looks me up and down and he just fucking boom, his bear pops me right across the face and set the tone. And then, uh, you know, and then we we're in it, man. And it wasn't, I, I mean, it was, it, it was rough, but it wasn't like, you know, undoable. I mean, I remember a lot of like air, air crew quit, you know, it's like, I'm fucking done. I don't want to do this anymore. And, yeah. You know, so be it, man. Like that, it ain't for you. Well, I guess enjoy chip and paint or whatever else the Navy's got in store for you. Cause yeah. if you quit, if you quit it's here, then you can be air crew. It's, it's a trip being on the other side. I've, I can honestly say I've never seen so many men cry in my life. You're just like, it, it is amazing. I mean, you know how it is. It's like, I didn't eat for the entire time that I was out there. I mean, they're talking to you about like those fucking, those potatoes and all that bullshit that you could dig up, man. That like, we didn't even get a rabbit. Cause when I went through, they had uh tularemia was going around. And so all the rabbits that they had were fucking sick and they're just like, you guys, you guys can't eat that. So I had a fucking, I had a, I didn't eat, I literally didn't eat anything until some bullshit they gave us a camp. I think somebody gave me an apple or whatever, but it, it's a trip to be on that other side. But it, it is really interesting to see the multiple layers of, of supervision. Everything's videotaped. You've got two-way mirrors. So they're watching like 90% of the stuff. Everything is like, the majority of the stuff is scripted. It's it, there's a lot of safety things that are put in place. You know what I'm saying? So it's 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 pretty interesting. So yeah, yeah, man. I mean, can I hear us, Jason. I can hear you. Yeah. Okay. You, you broke your fucking uh, headset. You, can you guys hear me? Yeah. You guys yeah. can hear me. Yep. Fuck, dude. Yeah, I, I broke my other heads. I broke my other headphones. Headset yesterday, like the nice one, and now now this one, dude. I'm gonna, I run, just over and, I'm gonna run over and fucking pee pee too. Yeah, you got piss. You got pee, Brian. I'm good. I got, I'm like a camel. <laughs> I like it, bro. I said like, look at that tuck and roll seat he's got, though. We got you got that's a nice chair. <laughs> yeah, it is, dude. <laughs> yeah, you remember that old movie, The Last Starfighter? Yeah, I do remember that actually. Alex Rogan. Yeah, man. Yeah, bro. The, uh, that award deal, the only guys like you and I that received such awards can, can, uh, can understand, man. Like I, uh, I still don't, there's like a weird, weird attachment to it. You know, like I never talk about it. Obviously I never bring it up like some fucks do at a bar or something, but, well, that's the you know, thing too, exactly. though, bro. It was like we like I'm with you. I I never people be like I didn't know you had an Eden Cross. Why don't you tell me? Like, because I don't talk. How, about do, it. how does it How does it come up? Oh, did you know I got an Eden Cross? Yeah, I did. I did amazing things in Afghanistan, and a lot of people got hurt. But yeah, fuck yeah, look at me. Like, yeah, no, that doesn't come up, dude. No, I mean it, it's always like it's not. I I made I made a point never to talk about it, but problem is like everyone. 
usually like the people, you know, people, family, friends, whatever. They're like, do you know he has this? You know, this guy's a war hero. It's like, dude, like, come on, yeah. man. Like, don't fucking. Yeah. You know, they talk about it, and then, and then I, I don't know, man. I'll be honest, it, it weirds me. It weirds me right the fuck out. Like, I don't like. I normally I'm don't talk. I'm with you. The reason I want to bring it up is is it's an example of fuck the award and the metallic properties and the cloth that this thing's made out of and like fuck it. Fuck the individual aspect of it. Yeah. That that award is like on a linear scale, it's like a timestamp of a moment in time. Left to right of that timestamp by an hour or two of two forces, two human, two groups of human beings, two cultures coming to a head and some dudes got fucked up on both sides. And this is, this is the story. This is, we, we idolize football players. We idolize the Hail Marys. We idolize the fucking punt receive and he runs to the fucking touchdown. Like this is, this is sports are training for moments like this. That's where sports originate from. How did you succeed? How did your boys get out? And that's that's what that award exemplifies is that moment in time. And, and and I want people to know that no matter how hard your life is, there's not much that can top moments like these unless you're in the mouth of a crocodile or a shark or you know what I'm saying, dude? Like like the, this is this is this is You guys you guys you guys both made some really good points exactly for why this stuff is so important and why it is good to sort of like Brian, like we want to bring it up and talk about it. Cause it is that it's like you said, and we've all heard this before. It's, a, it's not about yourself. It's about that person to your left and right. And what Jason said, that's like that push pin. And that's what it is. It's that, it's that, it's that pin in a moment of time when you look to the people to your left and your right and you, did what you had to do for them and they did whatever they did for you. And it's that sort of remembrance. And unfortunately too many times there's somebody loses their life or there's a severe injury at that moment. You know, I don't, I don't think there's ever been a moment when yeah. in battle, when, when one of these things was given out and everybody fucking walked away clean and nobody was injured, unfortunately, you know, but it's, it's something that, you know, you rem remember again for the, for the people that, were injured and didn't make it. And, and it, it talks about sort of the best of, of who we are. And, but it's not something that I think, uh, I know for myself and, and I, I know tons of guys that I've served with. I've known tons of guys, you know, just in the community who've just done exceptional things. And it's like, you know, you don't go on and on about it, but it's definitely, you know, it's appreciative that you're willing to do, it's that sort of example of what you're willing to do for the person to your left and your right. And it's always important to remember that no matter what, you know? So, yeah, I think, I think it's important to note that, you know, you, you know, when you join the service, you join for like the prestige of the service branch that you're coming into. Like, Oh, I want to be a Marine, for example, uh, you know, hoorah Marine Corps and all that. <clears throat> but when it comes down to brass tacks, what really matters is, that you're there for the guy to your left and your right. And they're there for you. And that's why, you know, like I've got family, you know, I've got, oh, I got brothers, but my, you know, for me, my true brothers are the ones that I've chosen through my own 
my own interactions, you know, my own, my own experience with them. Like I've got, I've got bros that, I mean, they're just like lifelong pals that I'll drop anything in an instant fly across the country if they're in need, you know, and they bail me, you know, I've had brothers bail me out of like terrible situations in my personal life, you know, put me up for six months while I'm going through a divorce. And then I do the same thing for the next guy. You know, I was living in a house in Orange County, California, and uh, I had a good situation where I was like baller house, and I was doing pretty well for myself. And uh, my neighbors were like, "Man, what's going on, Brian? You know, like, like you just—it's like an—it's it, like Motley Crue, it, you know." <laughs> I just have like it'd be me and like five other team guys like riding our Harleys into our garage, and I'm living in this like gated community right on the fucking coast with a beach view, and. Uh, and they couldn't understand it, and then, but they didn't need to understand it because for me, it was like no. if I if I come if I come into fortune and 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 grace, then I it's my responsibility to share it with the people I love the most, which is these guys. So, you know, friend friend X is going through a divorce, like no problem, man. Like don't be living on couches doing the couch circuit. I've done it. It sucks. Come live here. Get yourself back on your feet. I don't want any money from you. That's not the way this goes. Just come here. Get your shit together. You know, get back on your feet, and then you know, go back out on your own. Because I know someday the the you know it'll be returned, and I've seen that happen. Where you know I've 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 given to a brother in need and got him back on his feet, and then he's given right back to me and got me back on my feet. And that's the brotherhood, man. That, that's what people, I think a lot of people out there don't understand is just the uh, the camaraderie. It extends beyond the battlefield. It's not about the battlefield, you know. The battlefield is what it is. We all commit to that. We all we all put in our time in that, in that endeavor. But the real battlefield is back here in life, man. You know, when you get out of the Marine Corps and you're like, or you get, you get away from the Special Operations Service, like, oh, shit, what now? I mean, what do I do? And the guy's like, oh, hey, I got you a job here if you want it. Or, hey, I like, oh, you, you, you're down on your luck. You need, you need some money. Like, here's $10,000. You know, like, yeah, don't get back to me when you can. You know, like, that's the that's the brotherhood that you, you can't put a price on, man. Like, that that's what makes yep. this thing what it is, you know. And the, the yeah, camaraderie, yeah. That, that, that fucking family that you build out of adversity. I mean. So me, that's, a, that's a good kind of segue into, into – sort of find out what you're doing now. So you're, you obviously you retired in 2021, you know, you've gone through all these deployments and, and like talk to us a little bit about that, you know, that, that those, those final couple months making that decision to retire or did it was like, that was, you had to retire, right? You're, you're just, or did you say, Hey, I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm going to fucking cut away. And I didn't have to retire. They offered me positions on the East Coast uh, in command billets within Marsoc at the you know yeah because everybody up and fucking moved out there right everybody's on the East Coast now yeah, yeah. Uh, you know it was a perfect time man you know that we I think Marsoc was to be completely divested divested from the West Coast as of June or July of 2021. I retired. I mean, my retirement date was July 31st or whatever, 2021, but I actually retired and, you know, my retirement ceremony was in May. Before that happened, 
I was senior enlisted advisor in the of overseas, special operations task force overseas. And I, you know, I did my bit over there and then I put in for a skills bridge internship and I had a good, a good friend of mine in California who ran a construction company. And he's like, Hey, I want you to come and work for me. Well, for me, I was like, I told him his name was this guy, Sean Scholl, great guy, uh, owns a company, works out of Dana Point, California. I was like, Sean, I don't even know how to read a tape measure. What are you talking about? I don't know shit about construction. He's like, don't worry, I'll fucking teach you. So I said, all right, well, if you could get me out of, you know, if I stay in the Marine Corps, if I stay here, they're going to have tasks for me. You know, the consolidation of the MARSOC was happening to the East Coast, and they and they needed people to figure out how that was going to look like. But I didn't want to be one of those people. And it wasn't because I didn't like MARSOC or I wasn't committed. It was just because... I committed my entire life in an operational, like I, I never really had, I was never like an instructor or I never took a break. I was always in an operational build, except for I did a year and a half on MARSOC recruiting duty because they made me take a That's break. Right. But that That's was right. the time, you know, every, aside from that, I was, I was always in the field and, and, and doing stuff. So the way I figured it, it's like, I've already put in my time, you know, so now I, here I am, I've got, I've got two failed marriages. I got, you know, and I'm, you know, I got four kids and I got, I got married again for my third time. And I got another kid on the way and I had another kid. So I had five kids, three marriages. Like I need to fucking figure out what the rest of my life's going to look like. And I'm not going to do that while I'm figuring out how to move Marsoc from the West coast to the East coast. So I need, I need an option and two things happen, right? So the honor foundation which is a great yep. organization yep. That, that helps out operators get transitioning. I, the Honor Foundation took me in. And uh, so I went through the Honor Foundation's curriculum and I learned a lot about like what really I figured out what I wanted to do and what that was going to look like. And I gained a lot of access to um, different networks that could facilitate me in that process. Second, I, I picked up with, with Sean Scholl and his company, Cornerstone Openings, out of. of uh, data point California I started learning the construction trade and you know hey it was it was a rough learning process man I, I mean I went, from, I went right back to being a boot you know like what the fuck are you doing this isn't how that goes that's how that's how that goes and you know I'm learning about structural engineering and customer relation management and, and job costing and you know the whole gamut I was a project manager and I ended up getting elevated to a VP of the company and I worked there for you know a year and a half but and it wasn't because of the comp- that company, but I just I kind of came to realization. I was like, you know, I was making great money, man. I was I was making really really good money with that company, but in California, it's just so expensive to live there that by the time I get done paying my taxes on that money, and then my overhead for like five kids and ex wives and current wife and everything else is, like, I'm not saving it. You know, I'm I'm really not putting that much away. You know, so. My wife, uh, her family's from from the D- Detroit area, and uh, and you know the thing we talked about earlier, the no property taxes and all, all the other. And uh, I said, you know, it's time for a change. So I came out here, uh, you know, bought a house, and and I set myself up for a position where I don't really, I don't have to work if I don't want to. And and I think that's critical because a lot of guys, you know, when they get out, they're like, well, what am I going to do? And I need to do something like. 
Yeah, I mean, I do do something every day. Like, I go to the gym for two hours. I, I work on projects, and, and I started my own company out here. I do, I represent products of, you know, worthy products to, you know, Special Operations Command and other people that I think have validity to enhance capabilities and, and capacity across the enterprise. So, uh, I, I basically, I'm an independent consultant, an, an independent contractor out here. And it's been working out pretty well. You know, I, I did a couple of tours over to the Ukraine. You know, I put in my bid over there because I think the people deserve it and train some guys uh, to do good work over there. And then uh, I've done other work, you know, throughout the country in a, in a contractor capacity for training and, and uh, operations. But really, you know, I'll go out, I'll work a month, I'll make, I'll make, a, you know, as much money as I can within that month. And I'll take two months and work on my uh my passion projects you know so it ain't a bad living man and i think that i feel that i owe it to myself and i owe it to my family to kind of put put us in a position where we don't have to struggle you know like the struggle the struggle is real as i say right so but you don't have to be involved in that i can come out here and live a good life and if i'm not like trying to make you know twenty thirty thousand dollars a month like it's fine, man. Like, you know, if it comes, it comes. And if it doesn't, who gives a fuck? We'll, we'll stay yeah. out here. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll drink my whiskey. I'll hang out with good people. I'll get on podcasts. I'll do whatever. And you, and you still got all your fingers and toes. Thankfully, I do. Thankfully, yeah. I do. And I mean, um, I've got my mental aptitude, man. Like, a, you know, again, to all those out there who think that the vets are these, you know, PSD, you know, traumatized guys. I, yeah, helpless. I'll say, don't believe everything the media is telling you, because for every for every one guy that's having a hard time, and I sympathize with them, and they should get the help that they need, and and that's it. It's crucial that that we reorganize the system to support these guys and give them the assets they need. But for every one guy that's having a hard time. There's fucking five guys out there who are doing just fine and who don't give a shit about how many people they killed and only care about the good that they did. Uh, so uh, I will say, though, the VA sucks, man. The VA is fucking... <laughs> and especially the VA in Detroit. Let me tell you, Detroit VA, fuck yourself. I like That place, is, it, it, it's the biggest shithole lazy fucking lackadaisical bullshit fucking representation of the U.S. government fucking assets that I've ever fucking seen. Fuck that's Detroit that's VA. <laughs> that's my uh, we're not. Yeah, we're not cutting that out. We're going to keep that. Yeah, so. uh, moving to Ann Arbor. Ann Arbor, I hear you're great, and I'm coming on board soon, so stand by. So, switching gears, brother, you've had a long, amazing career, and I'm glad I got to share some very intimate years with you, literally to your left and to your right, bro. Uh, thankful for that. I, I sent you a text earlier. I was like, hey, man, get in your brown brain housing group of the soup sandwich from TBI, bro, and think about some moments that uh, that stick out, if you can recall, that were hilarious. Yeah. I've always I've always made the joke that, uh, that special operations guys and just combat dudes in general – combat MOS is that you come out of it like as an amateur comedian you have to to to, to endure the hardship that we fucking face man the mu mundane everyday bullshit so and we stood next to some hilarious dudes like red smith so like oh yeah yeah who 
like in your your database of hilarious moments, dude. You got anything from like boot camp to embarrassment to yourself? You got any funny moments that stick out to you out yeah, of your entire? Give us, give us, career? give us a closing uh, story. You got, you, you got a fucking, you got a card, you got a note card, dude. I like it. Yeah, because because I know I know myself. You know, the the key to success is knowing yourself and what you're capable of, right? So, I know that with a few drinks inside me. I'm going to forget about things and the, you know, the T between the TBI and the whiskey, I'm going to forget what I want to say. So, okay, let's go through this. We'll just go through it by the numbers. Number one. <laughs> yes. Yes. This is the standard from here on out, dude. Fucking from here on out, dude, you better have a note card prepared for this shit. Yeah. Yeah. Number one, Lady Gaga. What do I need? What do I mean by that? Well, we're, we're going in on a, this, uh, we're going on a mission into Sangin, which, you know, anyone who's served in Afghanistan knows Sangin's an inhospitable place. Just, at a, just a beautiful place. Yeah, beautiful place. You know, I mean, be, it'd be fun in the sun if it wasn't for, you know, Afghans and all their bullshit over there. So, but we're going in there to pick up a guy who's a defector from one of the other military branches. And uh, we knew it was going to be a shit show. So... In the team room, when you're getting prepared to go on a mission, you know, the team room, it's almost like a locker room. You have these, like, wooden-built, you know, cubbies that have your, your your battle armor and your extra mags, magazines, your frag fragmentation grenades, smokes, your batteries, the whole nine. At all times, you have your gear ready to go on a mission. However, before you go on a mission, because you're anal retentive like we all are, you go through everything again and again and again and make sure it's all picture perfect before you go. And while you're doing that, you know, we have a radio in there and we, we used to take turns and like, okay, so, you know, today is my day and today, because my day, I want to play hate breed. Let's get in the fucking, let's get in the zone. We're here to destroy everything. You know, we're going to fucking go. And then the next day it's Metallica and the next day it's fucking whatever. Well, Brian Jakes, who you alluded to earlier, <laughs> yeah. he was a softer a softer yeah. killer Marine Raider. Not saying he wasn't a killer. That's not what I'm saying. He just But the nicest, the nicest operator you've ever met. He looked like a he looked like a five foot eight special operations version of Quentin Tarantino. That's the best I could put it. Yeah. So yeah, that's a good way, dude. Yeah, quiz. He had the the curly fro and, you yeah. know, uh the face only a mother could love. But he was a uh he was a killer, right? So and Brian Jakes loved him some Lady Gaga. So now we're going on this this crazy mission where we're like, this is fucked, you know, like like we're going in the hornet's nest with, you know, ninety, you know, ninety commandos, ten gringos, and we're gonna go get it on. So we need some serious like motivational music to get ourselves in the zone here. And what does he put on? Because it's his fucking night. He puts on Lady Gaga. And we're like, fucking no, Jakes. Absolutely fucking not. Take that shit off the fucking radio. Like, like not happening. He's, and he, and he, he stood his ground. He's like, fuck you. This is my night. We're listening to fucking Lady Gaga. If you got a fucking problem with it, I'll fucking punch you right now. And so we're just like, I mean, I know I could, I could, I know I could beat the shit out of Jake's. And so did everyone else in there. But you had to respect his conviction. So he said, you're still, you're still going to come out with probably a bloody nose or a bloody lip, which is more pain than you really want over Lady Gaga. So, I, you know, I said, like, you know, I just thought, like, you know what, dude, when we all fucking die on this mission, you're at fault. <laughs> because you fucking want to play Lady Gaga. 
So he plays Lady Gaga and he's dancing around Alejandro and Telephone and all these other fuck songs, which I'll get into later, why I know all these songs by heart. So he, so he plays this shit and we're all pissed, dude. We're fucking fuming. We get, so we get on the choppers of the 160th Special Operations Aviation Regiment on their 47s and we fly in. And as we're flying in, I'm sitting on the front. I'm jacked in the the inner uh, the ICS the communications the comms. Yeah. yeah, I'm in the front of the bird, and I'm next to the door gunners on both sides. And we're coming. I hear like RPG, fucking you know. Like I'm hearing the pilots freaking out, and I'm watching out the windows. It's like Star Wars tracers, and the door gunners are open up up on both sides. And we're fucking banking and swerving, and then then something blows up man boom in the plane knocks me over and i'm on the floor and the door gunner is just fucking stepping on my goddamn head and i'm trying to get up with like my 80 pound fucking ammunition and we're fucking flying in we slam down on the deck and we fucking haul ass off the fucking bird and we so we get out of the bird and we move to our fucking PZ posture, you know, like pick up zone posture. But we, we get off the bird, you know, in the rotor wash, you got to get off. And that's why it's important to know which way you're going to go from whatever way the nose point of the bird, you know, which direction you have to go to get to your compound of interest and set, you know, set your cord in and clear and everything else. So I put on my compass, figure it out, and we're, and we're on the move. But while we're in the bird and that, that explosion goes off, you know, it, it shrapneled a couple guys. So like one of the guys is on the bird, he's fucking. You know he's screaming, he's hit, and so I told him like stay on the bird. I took his, I took his his uh, kill number off his chest. You know his patch, stuff to call it in. <clears throat> so we get off the bird, we get in our compounds, and that same guy is in the compound. I'm like what the fuck are you doing here? You're supposed to stay on the bird. He's like fuck that, I'm not a pussy. I'm like okay, fine. Well, here's your patch back. You know he's bent over, getting shrapnel pulled out of his ass, right? And we're in this bird. You know so we're now we're in the compounds. And the next, the next day, we, you know, it was a shit show, man. We had three positions, and it was just a, it was a, it was a full on shit fight, man. We're we're fighting our asses off. I mean, to the point where we're like throwing grenades back and forth at each other, and we killed the shit out of everybody that needed to be killed, of course. And uh, <clears throat> to the point where we're all like red on ammunition, like we're down to our like last bag of ammunition because the Afghans. While they mean well, you know, they have M4s, we have M4s. So it's great for us because they're like a mobile transport. <laughs> yeah. Like, as I run out of magazines, I'm like, just wait, fuck They're me. not shooting. Yeah, I'd take two magazines from him, I'd like, fill my empties, I'd stack myself back up, and I'd fucking slap him on the ass and put it back on the wall with security. And then we get back to business. But, you know, it was a heavy duty day. And then, uh, at nighttime, the air was going towards the red, which means that, you know, the there was like sandstorms or whatever where they had like less than a half mile visibility. So they're like, well, hey, we may not be able to come get you now. You have to wait till tomorrow night. We're like, well, that's not going to work. And here's why. Because we're all out of ammunition and the hornet's nest is still active. So I guess, uh, you know, we could go pick up ammunition and weapons off all the dead that are out in the fields around us. But that's still not answering the question of how we're going to survive through this next day. And sure enough, man, like I, I got to give credit to the Special Operations Aviation Regiment. Like those the 160th SOAR, those guys. Uh, his name, his name was Shannon Blitchington. I still remember. They came in and they picked us up, 
And but when they came in, we got a PZ pod. You know, we kind of got like we're still in our compounds. Like, we can't really move, so we had a C-130 gunship overhead. And as the as the 47s are coming in with the little birds in support, the, the C-130 gunships are smashing the compounds around. You know, not the compounds, the tree lines and all where all the enemy positions were. They're smashing them with uh, their uh, was the 105s and uh, yeah, 45 or and 25 millimeters. I mean, they're just laying waste. As the birds come in, and it's still, I'm watching my MVGs horrified because it's like Star Wars. I'm just watching tracers and RPGs and shit fly by these guys as they're coming in. I'm like, oh, fuck. And that's the only time I've ever seen Afghan commandos run for their lives because they're all so fucking lazy. They're just like, like, like go, zoot, 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 move the fuck out, get on the chopper. And they're like, mmm, whatever. They're just like diddy bopping along with AK slung over their fucking shoulder or their M4 slung over the shoulder. This time, you could tell it was serious because those guys ran like their life depended on it. And they got, we got on the birds, and we're, we got on them, and we're fucking hauling ass out of there. And, you know, it was like, you know, I I remember, like, we're on the bird, and we're, we didn't even clip in. Like, we just stuffed everyone on. We were just, like, holding on to the side, the, the, the frame of the aircraft, and holding on to each other as we're, like, hauling ass out of that place. And uh, we, uh, I mean, we barely made it out of it, man. I mean, we really did. And uh, to the point where, like, one of the positions, the the CH the 47s had to smash down through power lines. They smashed, they landed on power lines and crushed them down to get those guys onto the bird and out of there. It was that bad. And so we got back to, when we got back to the compound, the, we're, you know, our training compound, and we were like, we looked at each other like, fuck, you know, there's only Bobby, Bobby got some shrapnel on his ass, and a couple other guys got shrapnel, like, Lions. We, we killed like a couple hundred guys or whatever it was we killed. Like, fuck, well, we're nothing if not superstitious. So now it's Lady Gaga every time. <laughs> so now you got a bunch of grown fucking men dancing around Alejandro and you're in our kits, you know, and, uh, and that, and I just, I just remember that man, like, like a bunch of, bunch of like vetted, like, like these guys are all killers. They all got like, 50, 60, 100 plus kills under their belts individually. And uh, they're dancing around, fucking slapping each other's asses and, you know, being silly to Lady Gaga. I don't know what Lady that- Gaga would feel about that, but it really happened. And that's my story. I, uh, I've i got one question for you, man. We'll end it with this. Yeah. Uh, this is going off our last our last guy that we just, we just, uh, just interviewed, amazing human being that you will meet at some point, I hope. If, if there's something you could say to younger, the younger people out there that are contemplating the military, contemplating our way of life, that uh, you know potentially going through something hard in their life, what uh, what words of wisdom and advice at the age that you're at now, and everything you've gone through, and looking back at that age, now that you're at this age, like what could you impart on them? Some closing wisdom to our youngins out there that, that want to walk down this path. I would say this life is what you make of it, right? So if you have goals and you have ideals and you have dreams, no one is going to make it happen but you. And what I mean by that is like we have a saying, like, no one is coming, right? Remember, Jay? Like, no one's coming. You, you got to figure it the fuck out on your own. Alone and unafraid. You're alone and you're unafraid. Be unafraid in the face of adversity. Know and believe in your capabilities and just go for it. You know, prepare yourself, of course, for the thing that you're about to go into. But 
it's imperative as any young man or woman out there that you do you take the time and evaluate what you want what's your desired end state and then what is required of you to fucking initiate the dominoes towards that end state and if military is one of those things then just go for it like don't don't second guess yourself it's only four years out of your life but that four years out of your life that you dedicate to to something better and to become a part of a team towards a holistic solution is going to set your is going to set the stage within your life and the lives of those around you by way of your interaction to becoming what you desire to be and if you don't take that chance you know you'll be always wondering what it, you could have been if you would have had the gumption at that this time that time whatever to go for it go for it you got nothing to lose if whether you make it you, you make it and you make it all the way to special operations or if you end it as an administration clerk it doesn't matter you did your bit and you did something better you 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 work for something greater than yourself and i think it's important for any young man or woman to find that in themselves to find what drives you to find what is is in the realm of possible by way of just initiative take the initiative towards the destiny that you desire that's my advice i love that's all awesome. fucking said yeah exactly this was this was awesome we really appreciate your time i'm sure there's going to be a lot of great response to just your experience hear what people think about this you know you unique story and time well spent on my end for sure hey compliments will get you everywhere pat boy well, hey, gentlemen thank you so much for having me on and for uh indulging my uh my stories never apologize for being a savage embrace what you are never make apologies for living the life that you were intended to live and you know do what you're going to do out of this life and be great at whatever it is that's it amen man Rock. This has been Savage Actual. Jason and Patrick are two former special operations guys who interview interesting guests who talk about video games, airsoft, and military subjects. Basically, they drink a lot of beer, talk about shooter games, and have fun. What's not to love? We hope you've enjoyed the show. If you did, make sure to like, rate, and review. And the fellas will be back soon. But in the meantime, find them on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Savage Actual. Y'all be cool. And we'll see you next time. 